Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. From the Citizens Bank Studio, I want to welcome you to the Ricky Matthews Show, where we celebrate every single day the amazing people who are making Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. We have a very special guest today, but let me share a quick a, a quick quote with you that came popped up in my history book. Yeah, I've been I've, I've been a student of history as a former newspaper publisher and digital media company publisher. I had a lot of responsibilities for news efforts for most of my career. And the more I focused on that, the more I became sort of a a student of history. You wanted to pay more attention to history. And uh, there are a lot of folks that I admired along the way. One of them was Winston Churchill. Most people would not deny the role that he played in very significant moments in global history. But once he said this, to improve is to change. So to be perfect is to change often. To be perfect is to change often. Look, none of us are going to ever be perfect. Mississippi's never going to be perfect. But I tell you what, there are a lot of people focused these days on overcoming some of the challenges that Mississippi has, on growing Mississippi, on focusing on Mississippi's economic development efforts in a way that can move Mississippi up from the bottom. You know, I, I always believe that a rising tide lifts all ships. And in this case, I think there's a lot of energy on that today. Um, a man who who knows a lot about Mississippi and knows a lot about what it takes to address the challenges is my friend, the former governor of uh, Mississippi, Haley Barber. And uh, let me uh, let me welcome him to the Ricky Matthews Show. How you doing, Haley? Hey, Ricky, I'm doing great. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too. Look, two-term governor of Mississippi, former chairman of the Republican Governors Association. You worked in the in the Reagan. White House as a political director and former chairman of the Republican National Committee. I mean, the list goes on and on. You were once described as one of Washington's all-time mega lobbyists. You may still be described that way because of your efforts there. And as I came to appreciate after Hurricane Katrina, while a lot of people on the Democratic side said that that was not good, that you had that lobbying experience, Boy, that experience came to bear really well when you were governor of the state of Mississippi when we were faced with the worst natural disaster in American history. So you're a guy who continues to sort of, uh, you know, go through change and change appropriately, and you've had a lot of success in your life. How are you doing these days? I'm doing fine. You know, I, I had a wreck about a year and a half ago, and I'm almost fully recovered. I got five titanium screws in my hip. Uh, but I'm, I'm back working full time. I'm traveling. I'm, uh, doing, doing everything I did before the wreck. And, uh, and you're right about change in Mississippi. Uh, uh, the 24th Wednesday, uh, announcement of a huge, huge capital investment by AWS, which is part of Amazon, uh, $10 billion capital investment, a thousand jobs in Madison County, two facilities. Uh, and of course, just last week, they announced a, uh, a, a project up in, in uh, Marshall County, just outside of Memphis, uh, 
and uh, but in Mississippi, uh, about three billion dollar investment in a battery uh, facility that has several companies involved with it. Uh, so I give. I'm glad Tate Reeves got reelected, and there are two reasons why. <laughs> well, listen, I tell you, we're on we're on a roll, and um, you know, there we, we'll we'll get into some of the details around the economic development efforts that Mississippi's having success with today. <clears throat> the truth mm-hmm. is, when you have these kind of investments, you can go just about anywhere you want to go. There's a reason they're picking Mississippi, and I want to talk about that. But let's come back to your rec for a second. You're you're right. October 2022. I was reminded when I read an article, news article about you being airlifted after that after that serious accident. But, you know, maybe the general public didn't fully appreciate how serious that accident was. And I had friends of mine along the way who were in touch with you. You and I were in touch in the aftermath of that. And, uh, you know, they and and I wondered, would you ever be back running the way you were prior to that accident? It's great to see you feeling better. But but why don't you kind of remind people how serious it was? Well, I was coming home from a funeral in Jackson. And Marsha and I have a house out on the lake where my mama grew up, and I was headed there. And when I turned off the U.S. Highway 49 onto a county road, the county road runs with the lake on one side and a big farmland on the other side. It's out in the Delta. And a dog came running up out of the low side of the car to the where the farmland was, and I tried to dodge the dog, and I hit some gravel and skidded off the highway, and flipped over and hit a hit a man's driveway, and in the driveway was a culvert, and the culvert got me right in the hill, where my 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 car door slid and uh you know ricky i was hanging upside down for an hour and a half because the car ended up on the man's driveway and the car had a little ridge in the roof in the middle so every time the guys would touch the roof or touch the car it would rock and they were worried that they were going to break it loose and it was going to slide down into the lake so that's why they were so cautious but Two very things will always be in my mind. I'm hanging there, and I don't know if I've been there 10 seconds or 10 minutes, but I hear this voice. It says, Mr. Barber, are you all right? I started looking around for for St. Peter, and then the voice said, this is your own star. We think you've had a wreck. Have you had a wreck? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, you want me to call the police? And I said, no, I'm out in the county. Would you call the sheriff? She said, well, I'll just call them both. But I had no idea that my own star would literally be tracking me within seconds or minutes. And uh, within 15 or 20 minutes, highway patrol, police, sheriff's department, fire department, ambulance, all were out on this little country road about six or eight miles from Yazoo City. Uh, never never forget that. The other thing I won't forget is while I was hanging there, and I hung for about an hour and a half because of 
the, the, the tenderness. I see a guy down on his knees and elbows like a soldier crawling toward my car. And he gets about six or eight feet away and he says, Governor Haley, this is Simon Stubblefield. You remember me? I played baseball with your son Reeves. And I'm just here to tell you, you're going to be all right. We ain't going to let nothing bad happen to you. You're going to be all right. And, you know, my daddy went to high school with your brother Wiley. I thought to myself, now if I'd had this wreck in Washington, D.C. or Atlanta, Georgia, who in the world would have crawled up under the, 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 the car almost to say, you're going to be all right? And uh, it means a lot to live in a small town. And uh, they got the jaws of life ultimately and took cut the car up and pulled me out and put me on a helicopter to go uh, where I ultimately had surgery. But yeah, I could have very easily died, particularly because the seat belts malfunction. They were supposed to hold when you hit and then in a few seconds release. Well, it never released. But if they had released, it might have killed me. Yeah. So... Um, one of the deacons in my church, Ricky, said, isn't it great about your wreck? And I said, Billy, what, what do you mean? He said, well, now you know God's got something he wants you to do, and he's going to keep you around till you can get it done. I thought, there is a man who's got the right attitude. But, but what a great story. You know, in our conversations, you've never told me that aspect of it. But you know another another amazing reminder of what is in the heart and soul of Mississippians. Not that you needed that reminder; you've seen it so many times, especially after Hurricane Katrina. But it's so so incredible to have it touch you in that way, though, isn't it? Well, it really is, and it's. I mean, it was a serious wreck and a serious injury, but it was not. The injury could have been so, so much worse. I mean, I could have been killed just outright. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I, and I, I am thankful for all the prayers that people prayed for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, you've, <laughs> you've, uh, you've helped a lot of people. Uh, my goodness. I think about, I think about so many experiences that you and I had together after Hurricane Katrina and. The, the work that Marsha did. I mean, just a lot of people care for you, and we uh, we, we love you, and we, we want you to be okay. And what's so great about you telling these stories is you're sitting there, and you look better than you've looked in a long, 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 long time, even before you had the surgery. So it's, a, it's an exciting thing. Hey, let's do it. When we come back on the other side, we're going to continue our conversation with the former governor of the state of Mississippi, my friend Haley Barber. We'll see you after this break. Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. And uh, having this conversation with my friend Haley Barber, and I do mean friend because I, I tell you, we we spent a lot of time together after Hurricane Katrina. I was a publisher of the Sun-Herald and a vice chairman of the recovery effort, and we worked together in so many different ways. And you know, you know what is interesting after Katrina, as I think about it, is that our titles and who, what, our statuses in life, and all, none of that stuff really mattered, did it? It was just, what could we do to bring some synergy together to get out of the mess we were in? And I often think about it. There's nothing we can do about the fact that Hurricane Katrina hit coastal Mississippi. There's nothing we can do about that. That, that happened. Worst natural disaster, disaster in American history. In a lot of ways, it was a gift to us to learn about each other and about leadership and about the power of the human spirit. And I'll never be the same kind of person again as a result of that. I feel like it was a gift in that way. Do you feel the same way? Well, you know, my mother, as I quote in the book, my mother used to say, crisis and catastrophe don't create character. They reveal character. And the character of the people of Mississippi was already there. But this is what brought it out. And Ricky, I'll, I'll always be grateful for the thousands of people, literally thousands of people who came from other states to help us. Uh, every, every state but Louisiana, which of course had their own problems, uh, did sent something. Uh, Pennsylvania sent 3,000 National Guard to help us because we had, as you remember, we had about uh, 2,000 of our National Guard were in Iraq when when this happened, and uh, and so we needed we needed help. Alabama, Mobile was flooded. Mobile had 10 feet of water in it, and the governor of Alabama sends two companies of Alabama uh, troopers who are specialists in military police to help us because again, our uh, most of our police cars were destroyed. Florida right. sent us 50 police cars. What they did is they sent us 50 guys over here who worked for about three weeks. And when they left, Jeb Bush told them, leave your car and we'll get the government to give us new cars and let Mississippi have these cars. Just, I think of that just from the state's perspective, but the, the church groups, the, the school groups, the people, black, white, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, all, they all came and they all helped and they all, I think they all had the same thing that I was told so many times by people that I met who had come to help. Your people are so nice. They're so grateful. I'm so glad I came. And this is the expression I heard over and over. I feel like I got more of good out of this than the good I did for the people I came to help. That's so it's so true. As you know, when I went to Alabama and the oil spill happened, 
we uh, we formed a, a governor's commission there focused around the oil spill, and I was honored to accept the chairmanship of that and to help Governor Riley you know, put that effort together. We had over a 1,000 people involved, and we formed it very much on the basis of the way we did the governor's commission. At the end, we did a book, and we had reporters and writers that worked on each of the teams like we did in Mississippi, many of them actually who worked with us. Uh, on the on the Katrina effort, came over and helped us in Alabama, but you know, for Governor Raleigh to do that, it was that that was uh, that was amazing that he that he kicked in the gear, but he wasn't alone. You mentioned Jeb Bush, I remember Jeb Bush, and that's so much wisdom that he had provided you about how to think about this. But he was a really good friend to you in those in the, in the immediate aftermath, wasn't he? Well, he was, and you know, when I was in the White House, his daddy was vice president. And so I got to know uh, W, you know, his, his older brother who became president, and Jeb very well. Uh, in fact, Jeb's chief of staff when he was governor of Florida grew up in Greenville. She worked for me in the White House, Sally Salmon, and, and that made us even closer. But uh, the feeling was mutual. I'll have to say this. Mississippi, in the year before Katrina, Jeb had four major hurricanes in Florida. And we sent him helicopters and support every time. And and rightly so. We did just what we should have done. And then he, he responded in kind. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, people, people ask me about... When when uh, President when President George Bush came George W Bush came to coastal Mississippi, memory serves me he came like twelve times I can't remember exactly but you would often include me and a few others in those meetings, and uh, I, I told someone once that in a, in one particular meeting he got there a little bit late it's one of the meetings we had in Biloxi at the city council meeting in Biloxi. And when he came in, one of the first things he did when he entered the room, I, I was at the at the end of the table, and there was only a few of us actually sitting at the table. He remembered my name. Hey, Ricky, how are you doing? How's it going? Um, he would. I would remember about him that he would always have his legal pad with him, and he would write copious notes. But he was he was incredibly engaged around Mississippi's recovery, wasn't he? Uh, he absolutely was, and and he. He and his team did everything that they could do within the law to help us. And we changed the law. And uh, we, Mississippi, uh, this is hard to believe, but it's the truth. At the time of Katrina, the Federal Emergency Relief Law, the Stafford Act, for a major disaster, did not include any money or any provision for permanent housing. We had 50,000 houses that were uninhabitable, many of them absolutely destroyed. You you remember we we created a verb, I've been slabbed. There's nothing left of my house but the slab. We had thousands of those. So I went to Congress and went to the president and said, we've got to change this. We've got all sorts of people who who their insurance is not going to cover this because, you know, they never anticipated something like this. And they changed the law. But 
the federal government gave us $24.5 billion. Now, they gave Louisiana more than that. Uh, we bore the brunt of the storm, but the storm in Louisiana, mostly because of a rising water flood, destroyed all a lot more resources in Louisiana than we did, partially because of population and, and, and all that. But we, of, of that 24 and a half, about 10 billion we were already entitled to, and Congress changed the law so that we could get the other 15 billion. Now, uh, I'll never forget, yeah, you know, you, you may remember Barney Frank, left wing congressman from New England, and uh, let's just say Haley and Barney did, didn't share any views on politics. But I walked into the Capitol about the 1st of November after the storm on uh, August 29th, and I heard this voice, Haley, Haley, and it's Barney Frank. And I walked over there to him. He and I had only met one time. We'd been on Crossfire or one of those TV shows. He said, I heard your, uh, you, Mississippi's got a plan for what y'all need. And I said, yes, sir, we do. I've just come from the White House meeting with the president. I'm on the way to see the speaker right now. Marnie Frank says, if you'll write me a letter and send me a copy of your plan, I will not only vote for it, I will send your letter and your plan to every Democrat in the House and tell them, I'm going to vote for it, and I hope you will too. Now, that's how the country looked at Katrina and Mississippi. They knew that we would know better than anybody else what was needed and that we would try to work it out. And once we knew what we wanted, he was going to be for it. We did not lose a single vote in the House when our bill finally It's such an amazing story. And, and as you and I have chatted about in the past, the fact that you were once described as Washington's all-time mega lobbyist, it actually came into fruition. And it wasn't until I read the book, uh, you know, Jerry Nash worked with you to write the book. I had the, the honor of writing the forward to your book. But it wasn't until I read the manuscript of the book that I realized how much time you actually spent in Washington aligning folks. And what a great story that is. I, 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 you know, when we get back on the other side, I'd be interested to, to know if we can ever get back there again, where there are bipartisan efforts focused on the most significant problems our country has. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with the former governor of the state of Mississippi, my friend Haley Barber. We'll see you after this. and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. When we were chatting off the air, Governor Haley Barber and I, he said that if you uh, retire, you die. <laughs> he uh, He's done anything but retire. He's uh, heavily, heavily engaged in 
and uh, and making positive change happen in our country and our state. Uh, he is a, a founding member of BGR. We'll talk a little bit more about the, his efforts these days. But before we get too far away from it, we were talking about the bipartisan effort that played out after Hurricane Katrina. Katrina. I, I recall, you know, uh, Haley, you talking with me when you were in the White House about having the opportunity to observe President Reagan and Tip O'Neill, who did disagree mostly on policy, would come together and have a drink together, and you got to observe that. The days of bipartisan efforts, I, I know when you get b- beneath the headlines of some of the noise, there's still some bipartisanship that is taking place in Congress. But there's a lot of divided uh, 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 you know, stuff as well. Um, do, do you ever see us getting back on track again when we're not polarized about everything? Well, I think there there's some reasons that, that the polarity is so great, and one of them is the most of the people in Congress don't live here. They go home on Thursday night, and they come back on Tuesday morning, and in particular, the House people, and so they're not uh, they don't know each other like I remember the first time I ever met Jim Eastland. My family were Eastland Democrats. And my grandfather was Eastland's father's lawyer. And so I went to see Senator Eastland in 1968. And when I went into his office, he's sitting there having a drink with Teddy Kennedy. I thought, holy smoke, the people of Mississippi, this is the most liberal guy in the in the Senate. And uh, they were clearly friends. Uh, a couple of Republicans in there with them, uh, another Democrat senator. And I sat there for 45 minutes, and they talked about business, but they talked about their families, the kids that played football against each other, went to church together, whatever. That's one of the problems. They don't know each other like they did before. Another problem is social media. Uh, A third problem in in the polarity side is most seats in the House and a lot of them in the Senate, the biggest danger for the member is losing the primary. So the Democrats get as far to the left as they possibly can, and the Republicans get as far to the right as they possibly can because they don't want somebody to outflank them. Uh, Having said all that, I think the country will get back to the kind of situation in Washington that we were used to and like when the public demands it. When, when When the public always wants to see the most scandalous thing on TV and the social media adds to that, then it's very hard to try to entice people to to work together. You know, it good is. policy is good politics. But yeah. good policy means something different in New York City than it means on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. You know, the, the, as so, you so and I, gotta work together. As you and I have discussed, you know, the democratic process is slow for a reason. And, you know, it's it's sometimes I mean, even before social media and cable news and polarization and all that, it still took time to make legislation happen. It was often ugly. It was often contentious. 
But but it's true. I mean, I've spent entire shows. I've had a number of shows, in fact. And I have a friend of mine who's the former uh, Washington bureau chief for McClatchy. He also worked with the AP during the Mueller investigation, and he's a good friend. And he's been a, he's been a big supporter, and he's been on the show a bunch of times talking about the changing media landscape. You know, newspapers go go to heck in a handbasket, and as cable news continues to rise and become more polarizing. And uh, social media, we've spent, I've had entire shows about social media and the way the algorithms work and the way that social media companies make money when we're engaged and we typically are engaged around polarizing issues, just the way it works. And, uh, and it unnecessarily sort of stokes the fire on issues that may not necessarily be the most important issues, you know, and that's where leadership comes in. And hopefully eventually we can get back to having leaders that are focused on solving problems and moving uh, America forward. I I know that you covet the days we can be there as well. Well, one of the problems with social media is a lot of things get published, if you will, in social media that simply aren't true. Right, misinformation. I, mean, I have people yeah. who are my friends, who are intelligent, who are successful, who, and they'll send me stuff over the social media. That, and any more true than the man in the moon. And yeah. uh, I have to write them a note and say, this this is not right. This is not really true. But uh, th- there's no filter. There's no filter. You're right. There is no filter. And um, as you see, in the case of X, formerly Twitter, when there were efforts to sort of rein it all in, they did it in a partisan way. And, you know, if anything, Elon Musk has done for us is illuminate what happens when you have a bias and and, uh, what you want to suppress and what you want to illuminate. And, you know, I think there, there's just no denying that a lot of that is happening. And uh, so we've seen it revealed at X, but what, what's the story at Facebook and other, uh, the other social media platforms? It's not good. It, by the way, too many people wake up every morning and go to social media to be told what to think today. <laughs> That's just the way it works. And, what, and usually the basis for that thinking is usually based on some f- sort of misinformation. It's not. It's just a, a really tough place to be. That That and is for sure. We, we have to be careful that the government isn't the filter. Yes. Yeah. Because, it can't be. Because if you look at this administration and, you know, the president will go on TV and say stuff that everybody watching knows not true. And I think to myself, how dumb do you think we are? But, you know, we have a, we don't have an open border. You know, that's yeah, a, right. a prime yeah. example. But, uh, but we do, people need to have some restraint about believing all that stuff. And, uh, and, I, and don't get me wrong, the Republicans that get on TV and say stuff too. Yeah. But, uh, the public needs to demand uh, that the information they get is accurate, and the more they do that, the more we'll get to where we can work together. Hey, you know where it's you know where it really plays out, and this is for another conversation. But you, know, you think about Russia and the amount of money 
that oligarchs and others have. I mean, you can only imagine the kind of social media networking that is taking place on their behalf to try to put Russia's points of view first in Americans' eyes and to diminish Ukraine. And so a lot of times when I'm having conversations about what's happening in Ukraine, the people that I'm debating with have literally no real information. They've been completely convinced of something terrible that doesn't actually exist. And I, ha I can't help but think that, that uh, a lot of money has been spent by a foreign government to, to convince us to think that way, even though that way may not necessarily be the, the right way or the best way. Um, it can be used on a global scale. And that, to me, is super concerning. Well, and it's not by a government, it's by many governments. The Iranians, the, the Chinese, the North Koreans, the Russians. Uh, when, you, when you look, it's interesting to me how a lot of people in America, Russia invades Ukraine. Uh, the, the Palestinians murder a thousand Jews one day and people are saying we ought to be for the Russians or we ought to be for the Palestinians come on yeah. man I know uh, I... It, it's it, 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 and that takes a lot of there's a, there's a whole lot of social media going behind that and what's what's interesting again what what's what's unfortunate is that people who may support Hamas, are able, and they actually believe this, that, that the, the killings that happened on that day was all made up and that the videos that were shown were, were just, you know, just doctored videos that don't show the truth. How, can, how we can move from an event like that to a place where there's so much confusing, uh, so much confusion related to that event, which was just, <laughs> it wasn't long ago that that event actually occurred where Hamas attacked Israel. But again, the way that social media can be used to convince so many people otherwise, I, I, literally an alternate universe of, of the truth. It's just, it's amazing. And if, you know, for people who are thinking, who are trying to, who doing their own homework, who are trying to, to bring sort of a rational point of view toward current events, that's got to be terribly troubling to see what's happening uh, around all these events. And you're right, it's a global problem, man, on a, on a very, very significant scale. Hey, listen, we could talk to Governor Haley Barber for forever, but when we come back on the other side for the final segment, we're going to talk about Mississippi's economic development successes and the reality that the way for Mississippi to get out the bottom is to continue to focus on the kind of things we're focused on today. So we'll, we'll come back on the other side and continue the conversation. to more of the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. As I mentioned before we went to break, Mississippi's had a string of very significant 
economic successes. We mentioned those at the beginning of the storm of the show, but you know there is no denying that our governor is an economic development governor. He believes strongly that one of the ways to to get Mississippi to a different place in terms of the national you know rankings is to to very much focus on. Uh, we aren't talking about you know, mid-level economic development projects here. We're talking about billions and billions of dollars being invested in Mississippi. Um, he's He's got a good track record, doesn't he? He really does, and he's uh, uh, very focused, and, and he's very bright. Uh, he doesn't always have a, person, a politician's personality, but... Uh, He's gotten reelected, and he's gotten reelected because of what he's done, and uh, and I think that's, that really matters. You know, Ricky, I was elected. I became governor twenty years ago. Two thousand, I mean, yeah, two thousand four. So you may remember we had three things that we we talked about that were important for economic development. One was tort reform. We had a lot of companies that just weren't going to come here because they thought we were the the hellhole for jackpot justice. Secondly, our workforce was not up to what it needed to be. And that means workforce training, but it also means improve the quality of education generally. And I'll tell you, the, the lady who was superintendent of schools for the last few years, Carrie, I can't think of her last name, we had incredible success in recent years in our schools. We went from being on the national tests, we went from being right at the bottom up to the middle. Uh, I believe I'm telling you right that for the national tests for African-American fourth graders, we had, we were in the top five states in the United States uh, of our improvement. Uh, our workforce has become incredibly, incredibly better, and we've spent a lot of money doing that, and it's paying off. It has paid off. My in my eight years as governor, per, per capita income went up 35%. Now, in fairness, some of that was because of Katrina, because there was an infusion of, of money into the uh, into the economy that, that some of that would have counted as income. But uh, Phil Bryant and, and particularly Tate have had a real focus on this, and it's paying off, and it's paying off in big sums multi-billion dollar project. I remember when we got Toyota's first and the, 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 the next big plant that they were building back when I was governor. You know, they, they, they invested a couple of billion dollars in the state and a great, great facility with great jobs. <laughs> These two things are going to invest $15 billion in the state between them and create 3,000 jobs, and uh, up at the EV plant in uh, Marshall County, average pay will be $66,000 a year. Now, that's that's really getting in the game, and my hat's off to these guys that took what we did and built on it and built on it and built on it. 
You look at you look at the um, I, I cite this particular statistic a lot as it relates to the community college system in Mississippi. But Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College that you supported greatly, especially after Hurricane Katrina, over fifty percent of their students today are in non-traditional education. They're doing workforce training uh, that's very relevant to what their stakeholders believe they need to do in order to get you know get an educated workforce. That's the way you make a difference. When you think about the changes we made allowing electric co-ops to provide fiber optic cable and, and Internet access to places of rural Mississippi, the Delta, and other places where we never had it before. Hey, listen, at my camp in the Delta, while they were laying that cable, I've never seen so much cable laid in the Delta to create, to, to, to create fiber optic cable going to homes that would have never had it before. You know, these are kind of revolutionary things that we can do that put Mississippi on the map and help improve the situation. Now we're going to have a conversation in this legislative session about school choice and things like that. Um, we're, we're, we're beginning to push the big buttons in a way that's going to change the way this looks for Mississippi, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, there was a wise philosopher who said four years ago that in 25 years, there'll be two kind of people in, in America, those that understand computers and those that don't. And one of the things that we're doing better and better and better in our schools is we're teaching our children about computers. We're teaching them how to program. We're teaching them how to do things that... That you, you don't need a four-year college degree anymore to get a really good job. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. know there are welders in Mississippi make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Right, uh, right. Some right over there in Jackson County. Well, listen, we're having we're having success as a state, and we've got our challenges. But uh, you know, with a new speaker and uh, and sort of a rejuvenated conversation taking place in the Mississippi Legislature today, I think we're going to tackle some big problems this time. But listen, uh, we're out of time, and it's been a pleasure to check in with you. It's good to see you doing well, my friend. Thank you, Ricky. Thank you for having me, and uh, you're keep telling people about good things in Mississippi. I, w- I will definitely do it. I will definitely do it. Haley Barber coming to us from actually Washington, his Washington office today. Have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.